Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. It is late on a Thursday night, almost Friday morning. It's definitely Friday morning where our guest is, call, is, is talking to us from. Before we get to said guest, and I'm also joined by Harrison, so that's always great. Uh, before we get to those guys, though, make sure you're following the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Um, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. It's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets online. Use the promo code LOLakers to get 20% off of your first purchase using the application. So without any further ado, we bring in Harrison and we bring in Scott Chasen. Of or as I like place. to call him, Big Shot Scott. Yeah. You know, we had Big Game James yesterday, and today we have Big Shot Scott. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the most promising young journalists in America. <sighs> Well, I don't appreciate that introduction, nor do I appreciate having to follow a three-time NBA champion. You know, I liken this to – I was in Des Moines uh, with a couple friends covering the NCAA tournament last year, and we, we drove down the road, and there was a street called Scott Street. And I turned to them, and I joked, you know, that is the best street in the state of Iowa. You know what the next street was? It was Martin Luther King Boulevard. Oh, so no. I, just, I felt <laughs> – it, it was terrible, and and Oops. I feel like I've been I've been tricked into the same scenario again. I am not worthy to follow the guest you guys had yesterday. I, I hope that was intentional. I hope. Oh, it was. was. It was written down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Scott, uh, plug everywhere that you're you're where you're writing, and then we'll get into why you're going to talk to us about the Phoenix Suns, who the Lakers play tomorrow, and we'll take the show tonight. from there. Well, tonight All by right. the time everybody's listening. Yeah, well, uh, so just real quick, um, you can read my work, and I'm not sure why any Lakers fans would, but cover the University of Kansas uh, for the Topeka Capital Journal. It's a newspaper in Kansas. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at S-C-J-S-C-H-A-S-E-N-C-J or uh, at C-J online because I'm a company man, and I also host a podcast too. It's Triple O-T. You can follow at Triple O-T-P. It's NBA talk. It's fun. Uh, not as not as much fun and hot takes as you guys have, but it's uh, it's something. So that's what I got. All right. So yes, uh, basically Scott does really good work. Ha- Harrison was not being facetious, even though Scott's going to hate that we, we that we talk about him this way. But Scott does really good work on all the sports city covers, and for you know those who uh, you know are hoping the Lakers start tanking, listen to Scott talk about Josh Jackson, who would kind of sort of fit pretty well on, on the Lakers roster if if, it, if everybody continues to die. Um, like I said, though, the point of this podcast, we are going to talk about the 
Suns and Lakers, you know, kind of pseudo rivalry. I don't really like to call it a rivalry from the Lakers standpoint. I don't know how the Suns fans feel about the Lakers. I can't imagine it's they have fond memories of them. Uh, and then, you know, obviously there's this Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell dynamic. There was a great piece that Mark Medina wrote in the OC Register. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, but it's kind of a there. It's going to be two players that are going to grow up as as rivals until Devin Booker makes his way over to the Lakers. Scott, what number do you think Devin Booker is going to wear when he becomes a Laker? Well, I think he'll start out with eight and then go to twenty-four. <laughs> it only oh, gets, it's only fitting. He was drafted at the same spot, right? He was drafted thirteenth overall, and yeah, and and already clearly more talented and showing more promise. I mean, he didn't need to average eight points a game in his first season. So yeah, definitely. No, I agree with you. <laughs> Harrison, you're not going to take that line down, are you? I mean, I got no response. He's coming out with the fire. I got like my normally Harrison's hot takes like that takes me some time to come up with. He's firing these off the cuff. I, I got nothing. Uh, see, this is why I don't let you talk to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Scott, how how do you see this di- the the dynamic, the little mini rivalry that we see kind of budding between? Two guys that that really seem to enjoy each other's company and and, and enjoy each other's friendship. Uh, How do you see this playing out through the years? Personally, I like to say that D'Angelo Russell has a higher ceiling, but Devin Booker has a lower basement. Does does that Mm -hmm. make sense? No, I, I kind of agree with that to an extent. I think maybe maybe this is actually a hot take in its own right. I kind of think just point guards in general have the ability to affect games more than you know the other guard positions. So I, I think just from that pure perspective alone and kind of the flashes D'Angelo Russell has shown, don't get me wrong, especially as a Suns fan and someone who's followed the team, I, I think Devin Booker is going to be a great player. Um, but I, I think if you're if you are a Lakers fan, you can definitely feel like maybe D'Angelo Russell has a higher ceiling, and and certainly not feel bad about that. You mentioned though the the kind of the friend rivalry. It's funny. This was like this was the Twitter rivalry. This rivalry definitely started on Twitter, and then from there it seems like it has gone over onto the court. They are friends. You mentioned the piece uh, in the OC Register. It was interesting to read. I you know I think it came out today just about how. Um, uh, but that Booker was the one who told Russell about kind of the text me- or the the Snapchat and the thing that went on with the Nick Young thing and how you know Russell says in the piece that he was positive he was there he had my back through it all so it's just kind of interesting to see two guys who you know they grow up liking each other like this and now um you know they're kind of battling to be the guard that comes out of that draft class and you know is the guard so um I you called it like a little rivalry I think that's a perfect way to put it not only between the two players but the two teams the Sun need to like win a championship before they can really call anyone that much of a rival but uh no there i i'm personally really looking forward to this matchup yeah i mean i i'm kind of bummed that they aren't going to i'm going to be credentialed for tonight's game and i'm kind of bummed that they aren't going to be playing against each other because i was looking forward to the russell booker shootout and all of the kind of the storylines how how long until he's back by the way uh they're saying like maybe by sunday but it, it sounds unlikely I'm like, yeah, it, it is too bad, especially, I mean, the Suns are dealing with share of youngsters missing time. I mean, you see that with T.J. Warren right now. Um, I, I, I still think you're going to see you're going to see uh, some fireworks from both sides. Uh, I, I would look for especially I'd look for Devin Booker to have like 
like one of those. I, I don't want to because he's not Kobe. I just want to be clear for anyone who is listening. I don't <laughs> actually think Devin Booker is Kobe, but I would look for him to have one of those. That Kobe was five f- minutes too late. Yeah. By the time that yeah. people listen to this tomorrow, <laughs> your Twitter account is going to be ruined by the time that yeah. this that disclaimer comes through. But I, I would love to see him have one of those like 50 shot games where it's clear he is just pressing to be like, yeah, this is L.A. This is an, uh, a televised game. I, he did this in summer league. I want to say he found out a game was going to be on national TV. He's like, no, I'm playing in this one. And he, he they were both both D'Angelo and, and Devin Booker were obviously too good for summer league. But uh, I think this might you might get another D'Angelo or uh, another Booker game where, you know, he just wants to come out and light up the scoreboard. So before we before Harrison and I get a chance to respond to uh, Devin Booker potentially shooting a hundred times uh, in, in in the next game, uh, let us really quickly talk about SeatGeek. Again, they are sponsoring today's show. Use your promo code LO Lakers to get twenty percent off of your first purchase. On, or no, to get your twenty dollar rebate. Uh, SeatGeek, you get a twenty dollar rebate. Uh, Harrison, I'm I'm going to continue to be incredibly professional with these live reads. Harrison, what's your favorite? Uh, aspect of using SeatGeek as an application? Well, Scott, I know that you're just one of, like I said, one of the most promising young journalists in America. (laughs) You don't have to buy tickets to go anywhere. You just get credentialed. But one of the nice things that I like about SeatGeek is that it's really simple to use on your phone. You you don't have to go to the website to feel like you're secure and like you're going to be able to buy your tickets easily. You just get your phone out. You could do it on the way to the game as long as you pull over. Just pull over, get your phone out. You can buy your tickets. Just boom. It's really easy. You'll, it'll take you like maybe 10 clicks, I think, uh, depending on if you have the app downloaded already. It's just really simple. You don't have to print anything out. You can bring your phone right to the gate and get in. 10 clicks seems like a lot if you already have the app i mean like you probably got to go through a couple you got to go through a couple screens man i don't know like I, i'm saying i think it's seekeek is going to send you an email i bet you i seekeek if you're listening to this right now i would imagine it's closer to like five clicks to get a to get a seat unless maybe you're like even jumping, less than that yeah i guess you know, you know what like i like about you know what I like about SeatGeek is it tells you kind of the value of the ticket. That's you know, it'll, it'll let you know too. if you're getting a good deal. I, I, I think at least I, I've never actually used it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you well, for that plug, Scott. But well, now now you get to now you get you know if you do use the application, you you sign up and you type in LO Lakers as your promo code, you get twenty dollars back after you get your first purchase. So and let me let me go do that. It. But yeah. he, Scott, you may not have used it, but you did hit the nail right on the head. You do get your deal score. It, can, it compares tickets across applications, and it makes it really easy to get the best deal on your seats for a sporting event. You know, again, provided that you weren't big-time journalists like yourself. You're like one, one big-time journalist reference away from me just hanging up this call, man. You're, you're, you're getting there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before Harrison chases off yet another guest – we will uh, we'll go ahead and move on. And again, oh, did you man. say that I was chasing off another guest? Okay, oh, you're, no. all right. That's Harrison. Harrison <laughs> is is tired. He had to talk to Zubots today. That's always kind of off putting for him because he just he stares into those deep blue eyes that that Evita Zubots has, and and just, Harrison loses himself. Just chill mm-hmm. out, man. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yes, so Scott, you said that Devin Booker. So you're saying that he is he has that kind of big game quality to him because that's kind of what I remember Kobe for, like mm-hmm. the the fact that look, if I were to if I were to paint out a scenario to you heading into Kobe's last game, he's this he's a, you know at that point he's thoroughly washed up. Uh, he just played he played too many minutes. 
uh, in the season leading up to that last game. He's going up against a pretty good defensive Utah Jazz team. Now, they had checked out kind of sort of already because, you know, they weren't in the playoff hunt. But I, I, I lay out the situation there for you. Is there any scenario in which you would have thought Kobe would score 60 points in his last game last year? I, you know, I, I didn't see that coming. It's funny. I, I watched the first half of the Golden State Warriors game because I remember them being on at the same time. And, and I just remember thinking while I was watching it, I would so much rather be watching what is going on in the Lakers game right now. We were covering, I think it was the end of the year men's basketball banquet for, for KU basketball. So we get out of there. I, I caught the end of the first half of the Golden State Warriors. And then, you know, right there it was, let, let's go watch Kobe score uh, however many he did. That was I have to say, I am by no means a Lakers fan. That was one of my favorite just basketball fandom moments. Uh, I mean, probably ever. That that was a magical performance. I, I I can't imagine how you guys felt about that, but I I really couldn't have seen you. You could not have painted a better uh, a picture. You could not have planned a better ending to a career like that. Right. And so, what I was with that game there. What what I kind of took away from it was throughout Kobe's career, he has these games where. Just by contrast, this year in the NBA, you had you know Russell Westbrook walking into the Oracle wearing like the the cameraman stuff, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And it was obviously a, a twerk. It was it was obviously a, a tweak. It he didn't walk in twerking. It was obviously a, <laughs> it was a twerk at Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Anthony. I missed when he was twerking. I must have missed this. You guys didn't talking? see that. You, you, you guys didn't see the vine. It was incredible. This is this has been Anthony Irwin attempts to be like, hey, I'm one of the kids too. <laughs> I'm hip. Oh, uh, so hey, he just celebrated his 40th birthday. Give the guy a break. Yeah. he's only 40. Wow, you dude, you look good for 40. Botox. So, th- this show is brought to you by Botox. So, what I've what I've been kind of disappointed with this season has been those big performances like you'll you'll get the big performances like clay dropped 60 and three quarters but that wasn't a game that like heading into that game everybody's you know kind of licking their chops for oh my god i can't believe what we might be able to watch today lebron you know goes into madison square garden and he had i would imagine the typical lebron game and they were doing the water bottle toss like you know at the very Mm -hmm. end you know which was again another little tweak not twerk at at uh phil jackson and so you have, you know, you have these little things, but in these big game moments, that was kind of what I'll remember Kobe for most. That, oh my God, if there's a, if there was a moment that that Kobe, you know, you kind of got yourself ready for the game, what might Kobe do? It was pretty rare that he let you down in those situations. And that sixty point game to end his career was just kind of epitomized that. And it's kind of cool to hear you talk about Devin Booker kind of taking up that same mantra of. Yeah, if this is going to be a pretty big game, I'm going to live up to that. Harrison, do you think mm-hmm. uh, do you think Devin Booker is capable of that kind of thing consistently? Of taking a hundred shots? No, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I don't think that I don't think that that's he's capable of that consistently. Uh, that's good to know. That's good to know. The whole hey, well, big like he did twenty nine times the last time they played the Lakers. So, <laughs> oh no, I, I, I the mean, ball's going up a bunch. The ball's going. You mean up. of basically of trying to channel his inner Kobe and firing up, you know, 30 shots a game if he wanted to. No, I mean, I mean, I, Kobe's, my favorite aspect looking back on Kobe's career was the big game, the big moment things that he rarely let fans fans down with, right? Like if there was, if there was a storyline going into the game and everybody, 
is looking at that game and saying, "Oh my goodness!" Like Kobe, Kobe's ang- when when Ruben Patterson called himself the Kobe stopper, and everybody's sitting here saying, "Like, oh God, what's Kobe gonna do to Co- to Ruben Patterson?" Kobe literally buried Ruben Patterson out in Portland somewhere during that game. Oh and- please, God! Like, there is nothing I want more than for Nick Young <laughs> to call himself the Devin Booker stopper going into this game. <laughs> oh so man, find out. <laughs> so, so the point I was getting at though is that Kobe, you know, if there was a big moment to be had, Kobe rarely failed to seize that big moment. And if Scott's saying with Devin Booker that you know he kind of looks at in summer league that there's going to be a nationally televised game, he's saying I'm going to play and I'm not going to let people down. Uh, it's cool to it's cool to see a kid have that kind of confidence in himself. And I'm asking you, Harrison, if you think Devin Booker has the skill set to live up to said confidence. That's uh, it's an interesting way to phrase that question. Is uh, like the skill set. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he seems like he's really, really confident in himself. So I don't know if he can be that. Like he's confident enough in, in himself to think that he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA. I don't know that he's going to get there. I, I mean, to be quite honest, I haven't watched him enough to consistently make it. Like I wa- haven't watched him enough to make that prediction. But I think he's going to be very good, and I think that his confidence is a very fun aspect of his personality, especially considering that he looks like a 13-year-old that wandered onto the court. So <laughs> I was about kind of, to joke he's only 14. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like at that age, for him to be trash-talking NBA players, like Chris Vernon told that great show, on, uh, that great story on the Ringer podcast, where he was talking about Devin Booker during his rookie year was trash talking with Matt Barnes and Tony Allen at the same time. (laughs) Like that, that's insane for a 10 year veteran to be trying that. Like they were probably like, who let this kid wander out here and start like, like his parents need to wash his mouth out with soap. Like (laughs) he got into it with Chandler over. No, he didn't. Yeah. He got into it with cousins too. (laughs) Oh yeah, he did. That's right. Yeah. No, he's got, he's got such irrational confidence, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, they, the, the league needs a lot of those guys. Just those those bucket getters who have nothing but confidence stored up in in themselves. Scott, I'll ask you the same question because I'm realizing now asking Harrison to evaluate a player that he probably has watched play six times is kind of a dumb uh, a, a, a dumb thing to hope for on my part. That's why you're the host. Yeah, well, yeah. I was just I was hoping that you know a co-host would be able to 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 lift me up there a little bit. But man, I uh, I feel like I did a great job. Right. But we can talk about that off the air. Well, that's that that's your that's your <laughs> Devin Booker confidence. <laughs> but but Scott, your uh, same question I kind of asked to to Harrison though. Did you understand the point I was making about the the Kobe big moment thing? And do you think Devin Booker walking into Los Angeles tomorrow, if he's if he's saying to himself. Hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna light up Staples Center tomorrow. Uh, do you, you know, is that confidence deserved? Uh, I, to be honest, I, I kind of got a little bit lost with the question, uh, like Harrison. But I will say, <laughs> see, that's uh, not my fault. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I just want to be clear, just like not to compare him to Kobe at all, because Kobe <laughs> is one of the best to ever do it, and Devin Booker is like 20 or 19, but. I mean, he he definitely has the confidence to go into a game, especially against a friend or if, even if the friend isn't playing and just want to light him up. I think he scored at least 20 points in like three straight regular season contests against the Lakers. So, I mean, it's clear he likes to he likes to play well against them. So, I, I mean, I, I do kind of agree. He's the type of guy that would come in with a confidence.
confidence and like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to do X, Y, and Z. In fact, uh, coach or Watson said uh, pretty recently that he's still like learning how to be a go-to guy and a star and a thing like that. Um, but it, you know, so I, so I'm kind of with you on that example. Again, the big takeaway is I will never compare anyone to Kobe. That's probably smart. That's as of uh, unless unless you're a hipster, or a basketball hipster on Twitter, and you want to say that like Dwayne Wade has had a better career than than Kobe. I won't I won't get into that though because that is that, that a takes... subtweet? Did um, Harrison say that? No, no I would no. never say it. That's insane. Okay. That felt like a subtweet of someone on this, and it wasn't me. No, oh, no, no, it's it... not someone on here. It's it, Anthony just likes to throw shade the people that aren't on the podcast and that don't listen to it. It's weird, smart, and I smart. can't believe we have trouble getting some of those people from Twitter on the show. It's the it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so, all right, I you mentioned Earl Watson in passing, Scott. I've been kind of watching from afar, and the dynamic of whatever's going on there, like for some reason, Dragon Bender hasn't been able to get the the kind of minutes you would hope for on a bad team. The way nope. he's, huh, what's that? I, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, so it, it's kind of, what's going on there with Earl Watson? Is he just, it's early because he was an interim and then now he's only a, a month into his full on, you know, his first season with the Suns as the head coach, the unquestioned head coach. But what what's going on there with, with Earl Watson, who I thought was going to be a pretty good fit? Yeah, well, it's interesting. He's certainly kind of like a player's coach, and I think a big part of why he ended up getting that job, at least the reporting that's been done about that, is because, you know, the locker room was very much behind him. The players feel very comfortable with him. The thing is, and you hit it right on the head, it's like times when P.J. Tucker sees the court for twice as many minutes as Bender that you start to wonder, you know, what are the Suns trying to do here? They're not going to contend for a playoff spot. They're not going to contend for a championship, you know, in the next five years probably. So, you know, play the youth. That would that would seem to be the obvious thing, but you know he has a couple of, of philosophies that are a bit head scratching. Uh, I think my favorite thing about him actually is he he wants to kind of instill this like defensive intensity type thing, but the problem is what's happening is just the Suns are fouling all the time. <laughs> it, it hasn't worked, and he, he's talked to them. I guess there there was a good story from Paul Coro in uh, in the Arizona Republic about you know he he says well they'll earn the respect of the referees and then they'll be you know able to be. A lot more physical. I think I, I forget who gave that quote. I think Devin Booker gave that quote. That Watson says, if you're on a young team, you have to like earn the respect of the officials. And I, I'm not quite sure there is like data to back up this idea that if you just foul enough, eventually <laughs> they'll stop calling it. But uh, you know, certainly it has not worked for the Suns early this season. Uh, it, it'll be interesting though, um, as the season goes on. The Suns like officially are, are well out of playoff contention. If he does finally say, okay, we're, we are going to go with the youth, because you know there have been some promising signs, not just from Bender, but I, I think Marquise Chris has been has been for me at least a very pleasant surprise. He hasn't looked great by by any means, but he has done some things and shown himself to be more than capable, which you know personally I actually didn't expect. So you think Marquise can can play a little crisper? Do you think that can that can happen? I am so sorry, Scott. <laughs> oh man, it's it's okay. It, it's very early for me here, so I'm like only listening to about twenty percent of the things that are said. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> uh, that's that's higher than most of our our. That's higher than Harrison usually. So. You you ask a bad <laughs> question at uh, one time, and then you blame me for the rest of the podcast and keep bringing it up. Awesome. Yes. Great radio. Yes, no, that's that's how this show works. Like, when, when you're the host, you can blame people for stuff that hey, you I, I meant to ask. Faults for. I, I meant to ask you, Anthony, is this show on SoundCloud yet? <laughs> 
Uh, we've actually specifically been told we we shouldn't put the show on SoundCloud. So it just turns out I was I was towing the company line the whole yeah the whole okay. way along. That is a I'll deep callback, and we need we need to get back to basketball talk. <laughs> so the 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 Suns, you know, the, it's kind of interesting because again, we we talked about you know the Lakers and the Suns kind of relationship and whatever's going there, and. And you have this young core that the Suns are working on. The Lakers obviously have their young core. The hope is that by the time the Warriors, you know, super run is is finally over, the Suns and and Lakers then can kind of, you know, continue to build and, and maybe challenge the Warriors at the end of their run while the Kings just kind of fumble and bumble and stumble over themselves. Mm-hmm. Harrison, are you paying attention now? Do you think that that timeline works out for for both the Suns and the Lakers here? Yeah, I think so uh, because the Suns they have their draft pick this year, right? Yeah, I think I, so. I, I I feel like I have to ask that now because the you know the people assume that the Lakers do and that that's why they should tank, but they still don't have they don't have it unless it's inside the top three. So. I, I mean, the Suns already have some pretty good young guys, and the like you said, the you know everybody that listens to the show knows that the Lakers have good young guys. So yeah, it, they they're targeting kind of that window to peak, but I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, especially with the Suns, where you guys are talking about like it's not really clear what they're trying to do right mm-hmm. now. It's going to be interesting if they stick with this youthful rebuild. I, it seems at this point like the Lakers have kind of stuck with it past the point where they would have made a win now move so and they're just kind of letting this core coalesce and i think the suns are about a year behind in that like we're still kind of waiting to see when do they start to sell off their veterans for younger contributors or for cap space or ways to acquire assets and things like that well the reason they signed tyson chandler was because they thought they could get lamarcus aldridge right otherwise i don't think they make that move no, and they almost got LaMarcus Aldridge. I think yeah. he, he actually came out and said they were second on his list. He just ended up going to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. That's like 472 spots ahead of the Lakers. So, <laughs> Hey, well, uh, I guess wh- whatever. They they didn't need a second meeting or whatever. Um, but, but no, to your point, I, I think the Lakers are, are so well set up. Uh, it, you know, I, I'm sure you didn't bring me on just to praise them. I've said this on my podcast a ton. I, I think the Lakers have nailed it in terms of a rebuild and just about everything. You know, some things have gone their way. If a pick doesn't fall to them or end up in the lottery, you know, you know, whatever happens, happens and things can shake out differently. But no, I think they've absolutely nailed 100 percent this rebuild and window and all these things that, you know, LeBron James is going to be older. He That's how life works, I guess. But he, he is actually going to be in like his mid 30s and the Warriors will, will start to be kind of, you know, they, they won't be this good. And that'll that'll be the time when the Lakers start to really, to me at least, I mean, you guys know more than me about this, but that's when they really start to go after it. And the Suns, they, they face this conundrum now of they they need to put themselves in that exact same situation as the Lakers. And, you know, the, the, some signs point to them doing it and acknowledging, like, a, you know, tanking and things like that. But other signs like playing P.J. Tucker 30 minutes a night don't point to that. So uh, I, I think, you know, I, I really can't say enough about it, especially this year, what, how how impressed I've been with the Lakers, you know. I know when we talked earlier in the week, you mentioned something about expectations. I, I was really pulling for them to even contend for kind of that eighth playoff spot this year, and it had nothing to do with the fact that I think Oklahoma City is the most overrated team in the league. 
Um, I, I legitimately thought, uh, you know, I, I, I love to see when, when teams get something right and it works out for them. And so that's what I see with the Lakers. I think, that, you know, there have been parts of it that have been rocky, especially in the front office and coaching. But the result has been the Lakers are in probably a better position than anyone, maybe Minnesota, you know, five years from now. The, the expectation point that you alluded to, and thank you for reminding me, I, I, I had forgotten about the point. This is what happens when you get old. But basically, the Lakers started out the season miles further than, than the fans would have thought they might have, right? And what wound up happening from that is now when the Lakers lose, Lakers, you know, Laker fans are kind of living and mm-hmm. dying by, you know, oh my God, it's this is a, you know, this is a pathetic effort, mm-hmm. this is a disastrous loss. Oh my God, they, they next game is a must win if they want to contend contend for the playoffs. And the whole while, I'm sitting here saying like, no, that that little bit of success shouldn't alter our expectations all that much, right? And and that's kind of what I was saying at the time while they were on that mm-hmm. run, and and I thought it extended pretty well there's a parallel to Devin Booker's rookie season he played about as well as you would like to see him play last year and then this year you know the expectation was oh my god this guy could be a superstar this guy could be this this guy could be that and I'm not saying he's been bad by any stretch but he hasn't lived up to oh my god he might take this leap forward and my thing there again is well, is that on Booker or is it on people for having unrealistic expectations, right? In both these situations, expectations kind of got away from, from both entities and both fan bases. And there's an interesting parallel to be seen there. Am I, am I ranting and raving like an old guy or do you kind of see uh, what I'm talking about there? No, I, I totally uh, agree with you 100%. And, you know, I, I liken it to kind of how I feel about D'Angelo Russell before Harrison says I jumps in and says that I'm a total hater on him. Uh, <laughs> I, I think D'Angelo Russell and Devin Booker are very similar in that people took their first year and, you know, they saw the flashes. They saw at times fantastic outputs kind of swept aside the efficiency and the things that make you a great NBA player and said, wow, these guys are going to be stars next season. It's going to happen right away. Certainly more with Booker. Booker was this popular breakout season pick and getting all the praise in the world. And, and they, I think the GMs voted him as the most likely to have a breakout season this year in that uh, in that uh, fantastic survey from NBA.com. But <laughs> for neither one of them, like it, it, it's so much. You, you nailed it with the expectations. The expectations are always way too high for you know for these guys. They're both twenty years old or younger, so it just it is amazing. Kind of the pressure that you know we in media as fans, everyone kind of will put on twenty year olds at times. And you're you're right about the parallel too. It's it's exactly with the Lakers. You get out to a great start. Now all of a sudden people expect more, and they get a little bit disappointed when you come back down to earth. Um, and certainly that's, I mean, that's how fans are, you know, Chiefs fans. I, I joked about this earlier today. They hate their quarterback, no matter who it is. Alex Smith is won like 20 of his last 23 games or the Chiefs have. And people still think like Derek Carr, that scrub would be a better option. So I got in my Derek Carr shot. So <laughs> Harrison, the, 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 the point about D'Angelo Russell and those expectations were interesting. And we've already talked about this a bit, but what do you think it would take to get fans to re-recalibrate their expectations back to a, a realistic spot without necessarily, you know, without the bottom falling out from under the Lakers? And without relocation. <laughs> wow, that got dark really was... quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, I don't think the Lakers are going to relocate. I think it's safe to say. Uh, yeah. Second of all, 
You mean get get the expectations back into whack for Russ? I mean, you said without the bottom falling out. I don't know that it's possible without. I mean, the bottom fell out on the Lakers now with all of these injuries. And so I think that that's almost what it's going to take to get people to start to be a little bit more realistic again. Uh, because right now people are still in the stage where, oh, the the Lakers were really good. Why why be good again? That's way more fun. Do, do yeah. that. And, <laughs> you know, like the whole team is injured right now. And so I think that that I think it's almost taking that. And I think within the next couple of weeks, I have a feeling the expectations are going to start to normalize a little bit back from towards the beginning of the season when it was like, holy crap, are the Lakers a playoff team? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think we're going to see that hope kind of die and people start to, you know, realize that D'Angelo Russell has and the rest of the Lakers young core have the potential to be great, but they just aren't great yet. Yeah. I would completely agree. So we've talked about the two teams where they currently stand right now and where the rivalry could go, you know, moving forward. And, I, and I'm and i I'm still kind of dubious calling it a rivalry, but I don't really have another term to use. Yeah. Uh, I am always interested, though, in seeing, especially with the Suns, because the Suns had that seven seconds or less stretch, uh, stretch where – that was just about as good as the basketball ever got in Phoenix. It was just about as good as any basketball has ever been played that didn't end up in a title. And even during that stretch when, you know, Kobe nearly, I mean, the Lakers lost a 3-1 lead before it was cool. Actually, you have to say blew a 3-1 lead. You're not allowed to say lost. Oh, that's that's okay. So I, they blew a 3-1 lead before it was cool. Uh, and, and all the while, while that's going on, it felt like fan Phoenix fans took just a little extra solace in beating the Lakers in those years. Is mm-hmm. there like, how can you define, can you define how Phoenix Suns fans see the, the Lakers? Is it just a, God, they're just so annoying because they're, they're big and their fans are big and loud. Well, there are, there are a couple of moments I think uh, that, that Suns fans will have a hard time getting over. I know for me, the two, I think the two most painful moments uh, have been the, the Tim Duncan three to, I think, force overtime that game when Manu Ginobili ended up with the game winner, and that, that was just brutal. That and, and the, the Lakers, when Kobe airballed that shot, 2010, it was the Suns' last year of, of real you know contention. This was in the Western Conference Finals. The Suns had just taken two games, tied it at 2-2. Two to two. Jason Richardson, I'd, I believe, banked in a three or something crazy to to tie the game, game five in in Staples Center in L.A. Kobe has last shot. He airballs, and I believe Channing Fry didn't box out. Meta World Peace gets the put back, and they go up 3-2. They win the series in six games. You know, there was the fun with uh, Sasha Vujicic and, uh, and Goran Dragic and all that. <laughs> and uh, that that was, I, I think, that moment, that, that Ron Artest put back of the Kobe airball, and I'm going to mention he airballed about nine more times. Uh, <laughs> that, that moment is like burned into Suns fans' minds, I have to imagine, because, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about this, but I believe they played the Celtics in the finals last year, and the Suns, uh, for whatever reason, during a couple of stretches during those, you know, years, had some favorable stretches against the Celtics, so, you know, it it certainly wasn't like this impossible juggernaut waiting on the other side, where it's like, no, LeBron is going to crush your dreams. Uh, It felt like a title was, you know, actually maybe winnable that year, and it, it, it also made sense that that was was maybe going to be the last year where that was the case and you know certainly it didn't work out yeah that play for me is funny because our i think he was still our test at that point but he's Mm kind of like wanders into wherever that ball was going to land 
Like it, it, he just he just happened to be there. And but even it, when he was great, his style of movement on the court could best be described as wandering. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it, it's just like a guy like walking into places and like, oh, I can do a helpful thing right here. OK, cool. Holy cow. Oh, awesome. I can elbow James Harden in the head. Oh, yeah. Where did your head come from? I mean, honestly, who who hasn't wanted to elbow James Harden in the head, though? Like, yeah, I mean, Meta World Peace was really just the original Draymond, if you think about it. Like, just like, hey, don't tell him how his limbs naturally move. Sometimes <laughs> you accidentally elbow dudes in the face. Like, it just happens. And and, oh, Scott, and, and what I was going to say, though, was the, the, that Ron Artest, you know, layup that he wandered into, that for, 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 for Suns fans, the equivalent for that for Lakers fans is the Tim Thomas three-pointer that forced mm-hmm. overtime. And that I will... I even saying the words, even saying the name Tim Thomas hurts. Like it, I ball a fist thinking about it. Uh, so I, I would say we're almost even there. Yeah. Well, don't let that distract you from the fact that the Warriors blew a three-one lead in the NBA Finals. <laughs> That's really this whole segment was just a setup for that joke. It really was. It really was. But honestly, uh, me, me coming on to this whole show has been to set up that one joke. Yeah. That, <laughs> we 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 done good. So. All right, uh, I, unless unless Harrison, unless you have any more questions to ask, Scott, how are you uh, how are you predicting this game goes tomorrow? Uh, should we put a a avatar bet on the line for this one? Uh, no, thank you. Um, I, <laughs> I I told uh, TJF Sports Tom Fear on Twitter. I told him this last time they played. I am honestly rooting for the Lakers to win this game. I want the Suns to kind of get to the point where they realize like oh, hey, we should be playing all our young guys and stop trying to basically win games. So uh, you you fan in me for that game, even though, you know, obviously the team I follow is the Suns. Is is Tyson Chandler going to get traded? Does he have a no-trade clause or anything like that? Uh, I'm not no, sure. No, you he have to just... re-sign with the team to get a no-trade clause, so he doesn't have one. Yeah, so I, I, yeah he, he did just play his 1,000th game. What's that? He did just play his 1,000th game. Wow, man. It seems forever ago that he was on that you, that um, with Eddie Curry in in Chicago or whatever it was. All right, so uh, that does it for this episode, Harrison. Uh, thank you for for listening, and, and Scott, thank you for for jumping on with us. This was a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's too bad we couldn't convince you to do some kind of avatar bet. Uh, at some point, we're gonna get that. We're gonna make that work. It, it, I would be. I'd feel better about it if if D'Angelo Russell was healthy. And Jose Calderon was healthy, and I, it's really sad that it comes down to that because Marcelo Huertas now has to play minutes. Uh, the catalyst. The, the, the catalyst. Uh, but again, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, before before you sign off, go ahead and, and once again, you are tell plug everything that you're working on and, and tell everybody where they can follow you. And, uh, and yeah, we'll get up out of here. Well, uh, thanks again for having me. I, I've said this before. I think you guys do absolutely tremendous work, and I'm not just saying that to be nice. I mean, I'm coming on. It's 3 in the morning where I am right now. It's an absolute pleasure to be on with you guys. You can follow me at CJ on Twitter if you want. If not, that's totally cool with me too. I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. You guys should follow him. He he's good out there, and he laughs at jokes. Like it, he'll he'll like a joke every so often. Uh, yeah, he's by far our best guest from KU. <laughs> i like what you did there i like what you did there uh today's show is brought to you by seat geek make sure you're using the promo code lo lakers to get your 20 dollars rebate on seat geek it's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets online 
Make sure you're following the show at Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. We will talk to everybody again next week. Uh, by the time everybody's listening yeah, to this, and enjoy your yeah, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy the game when the Lakers play the Phoenix Suns, and uh, and yes, we have and enjoy your weekend. Be safe, and we'll talk to everybody again on Monday. Oh, and go back and and listen to the James Worthy show because that was really cool of us. Uh, we also had uh, Josh Majette. He was a lot of fun. Go back and check out those shows where I told you to find them. Uh, thanks for coming on again, Scott. Thanks for being here, Harrison. We'll talk to everybody soon. All right, thanks, Anthony. Shouts okay. to Trevor Ariza. <laughs>